The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Ecclesia, this is Pastor Chris. I can't even tell you how excited I am to be preaching today. I got so many reasons to be excited. The first one you need to know, I'm excited because I'm back in Argentina. Argentina is a beautiful country. It's a place we've had deep and profound partnerships. It's a place I love. I love it here. I love my beloved friend, Marcelo Robles. God's blessed him with a wife, Susie, his daughter, Vicky, his new stepdaughter, Brenda, and the church, La Mission, that when the pandemic hit and people were locked down in their apartments and people were hungry, we worked with them to get groceries delivered, to keep people fed and cared for people. And it's a beautiful thing. The economy here, sadly, has gotten worse during the pandemic. If you can imagine, when I first took a trip here, before that, the peso was about one to one. I came here, it was three pesos to the dollar, then four pesos to the dollar. I would have never even seen a bill like this one, right? I mean, imagine the peso's one to one, that's a thousand dollar bill. Well, today, the peso is about 300 to the dollar. So imagine, in the 90s, you've got a savings account with $300,000 sitting in it, right? Today, that's worth $1,000. What would that do to your life savings and your net worth? And so people have been betting on the dollar. They've been moving currency. They've been struggling to exist. And so what you need to know is that the work that we do here, it matters and it helps. And Marcelo's leading out in a beautiful way. And our job is partly to take care of him and help make sure that he's in a place to take care of others. And we landed and found out that the car that Ecclesia bought for him, I need to find the old footage. We flew in and we gave Marcelo a car because he sold his car to feed people because things were so hard then. And we said, Marcelo, that's a really nice thing to do and the people got some food, but now, hey, you need a car, you're a pastor. You gotta get around the city. And we came and we bought him a car. Well, it's been more than a decade. That car's not doing so good. And so he bought a new car. He had to finance part of it. I didn't think much about it. Many of us are in the same place, right? We finance a car, we do what we have to do, and hopefully you got a good interest rate. Marcelo got a good interest rate, he said 5%. I thought that sounded pretty good. He said 5% per month. You know in Argentina, interest rates just went up to about 70%. Marcelo was paying 60%. I love being a part of a church where I can instantly tell Marcelo, hey Marcelo, let's get down to your car dealer because we're gonna pay that off. So I can see it together. I'm gonna tell you more today about what we get to do together. But we get to go in and say, hey, if there's a pastor feeding people and caring for people and serving people and preaching the good news of Jesus to people, we're gonna look out for you. So I see as we reconnect with Marcelo and La Mission, our partners and friends, that we walk together through the pandemic, through hard times. Now we get to be at a time to celebrate, celebrate some really, really good things. In fact, our, our dear brother, Edward, and his wife, Amy, their boys Ransom and Given, they've been here for the summer. They've been here serving, working on their Spanish, making connections with the church because we're not two churches. We're one church, we're one whole church. In fact, Edward and Amy 
put together an art show that our dear brother Paul Holzman contributed to and did music for. And I gotta tell you, it was one of the coolest things I've been to in a long time. The art was beautiful. The conversation was beautiful. And it was a way to lift up this church and tell them they matter. In fact, we're getting to donate a lot of art to people here and to the church. We're getting to also explore some great artists from Argentina that we're gonna bring some art back. You can buy it and help fund some things here. There's gonna be amazing things happening. And when we're connected together, in the pandemic it was hard, but when we spend time together, beautiful things happen, ideas happen. And I get to be a part today of finishing a series. We've had a beautiful series this summer about women of faith from history and from today. And I've been waiting to feature our sister, Ruth Padilla de Borst. You may remember, I was ordering some of her books when I accidentally got a book by Elaine Padilla that ended up being my favorite book of the summer. Ruth Padilla writes about Mission Integral, the integral mission, the reality that the church, if we serve people, it's gotta serve the whole world. And she summarizes some of the best work of her father in doing that, Rene Padilla. He preached even in the early years at Taft. Rene is a famous Latin American theologian. In fact, he's not just famous to me, and he is. I got a book when I was in college that literally set me on a course to start Ecclesia written by Rene Padilla, or they say here in Buenos Aires, Padilla. The double L's here are hard, you, you'll get used to it. Cage and Parajavar and everything. It's so, it's a bit confusing for those of us that are more used to Mexican Spanish. In fact, my last visit here before the pandemic, or one of the last visits, we got to go to a tango show with one of my heroes, with Rene Padilla, and share, right, how his work had influenced who we are as a church. And I got to tell stories, not just about giving Marcelo a car, but literally like a hundred people we gave cars to after Harvey, the people that we care for, because we believe that we got to care for the whole of the person because Rene Padilla taught me that. One of my favorite quotes that Ruth Padilla mentions from her father that radically changed my life. And this is what he said. In a day that churches were evaluating themselves based on how many people came to faith in Christ or didn't come to faith in Christ. And Renee said this, he said, there's no place for statistics on how many souls die without Christ every minute. If they do not take into account how many of those who die, die victims of hunger. He said, if, if the world isn't going to acknowledge, right, that people are dying of hunger while we're trying to do some spiritual mission. He says the mission of Christ has to involve everything, and it does. In Matthew 9, it's, it'd be a great chapter to read on the whole when you get home because it's filled with action, right? Jesus literally, there's a girl who dies. Jesus brings her back to life. He runs into these guys. We don't know how many of them. They were all blind. They hung out together. And these blind guys said to him, we wanna see. And Jesus said, you really wanna see? They said, yeah. He said, then you're healed. And he touched their eyes and it tells us, we don't know how many men, but they were healed. Then somebody else that couldn't speak and they said there were demons associated with it. Some trauma had probably happened to this person. Jesus heals him. And then it tells us in this passage that this is what Jesus did. The crowd first said, nobody had ever seen anything like this. And it tells us in verse 35, that Jesus went through many towns and villages he taught in their synagogues. He preached the good news of the kingdom of God. This kingdom where he said, everybody's gonna have enough, everybody's gonna be cared for, everybody's included, no one's left out. That's the kingdom we've come to declare and that ecclesia is good news for everybody. 
And it says, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God, he healed every disease and sickness. And whenever the crowds came to him, he had compassion for them because they were so deeply distraught, malaised and heartbroken. And they seemed to him like lost sheep without a shepherd. Jesus was a man of compassion and he went to find and offer comfort to people that desperately needed it. Post-pandemic, we have a world that's filled with brokenness. And I gotta tell you, Ecclesia, to be here and be reminded I don't know if you remember, but in our early days of what we were doing in Venezuela, I met a remarkable and beautiful lady. Alexandra is her name. She's got four kids. She had a busy life. She was in an auto accident that literally shattered her leg. The doctors there in Venezuela were able to put some pins and try to put her back together, but nobody there could really deal with the problems in her leg. In fact, it became infected it had a lot of trouble. And Ecclesia, when we met her, the doctors in Colombia were planning to amputate her leg. As I looked at Alexandra and I thought about who we are as a church, I knew without a doubt, we together could find a way. And it's a long, crazy journey. I used my miles to buy her a ticket to Buenos Aires because we knew we had doctors here. Come to find out because Venezuela's government was shut down, she didn't have a real passport. She tried to forge one. It didn't work. She couldn't get on the plane. She was really ashamed then and she kind of went underground for a little while because she thought we'd be really judgmental about her having a forged passport and we're trying to save her leg, right? I told her next time, let us help you buy a better passport. If, if we're gonna forge one, let's get one that works, right? Not a bad one. And ultimately we worked with the government. We got her passport. We got her to Argentina. She was here for six months, put up by us in an apartment, cared for, had surgery after surgery after surgery. And this is what you need to know today, Ecclesia. Alexandra has a leg, two of them. They both work. And in fact, we're about to pay for her to come back to Argentina to have a knee replacement. That means she might, I don't know if she wants to play golf, but she could. She, she could run, she could do things that she never dreamed of. And I gotta tell you, when I wake up in the morning knowing that she's got two legs because we exist as a church, it's a beautiful thing. Years ago as a church, we had some young sisters come to us. We didn't tell you all the stories because it was part of their privacy and their journey. Emma and Olivia, some young sisters in the church, they're remarkable. Twins, beautiful, but from a family that wasn't documented and had a lot of struggle. It's their story to tell, but there was a lot of struggle and a lot of pain. But what we knew about these two girls, Emma and Olivia, is that they were beautiful and really, really smart and really hardworking. But that the only way that they could go to college is if someone stepped up. I gotta tell you, Ecclesia, for more than four years, you've been paying for lodging, books, and tuition for two beloved sisters. And Emma and Olivia just graduated from Texas Tech University. One in electrical engineering and the other in geology. And they're gonna get a great job, you know what? And they're gonna be a part of what God's called us to do. And I gotta tell you, I wanna make a difference with my life and I think you do too. And I wanna be a part of sharing those stories. At Ecclesia, we describe that missional way as being the kind of church that doesn't, and we use this visual if you go to our open door, we're not trying to get you so involved in the church that the church becomes your life. In fact, just the opposite. We'd like you to be a part of the world in a way that makes the world a better place. In fact, in a lot of churches, uh, the idea is it's almost like a bullseye. In fact, we'll pull up a graphic for you. 
and the bullseye is trying to push push people to the center. And maybe on the outside, uh, you would be the community, and then you might be attenders, and then from attenders, uh, you might become participants, and then from participants, you might become leadership, and you're going closer and closer to the core, and that's what it means to be a part of the church. At Ecclesia, we believe you may never be a part of leadership. You may never spend six hours a week up in our church building, $1,100 or 325 Piney Point at our amazing new campus in Lendale Heights. You may never. I hope you come to church. I hope you take the Eucharist. But you know what I want? I wanna see you out declaring the good news of Jesus with your life in a way that's beautiful. And so what we say is it's more like a funnel going this way and that we're moving together towards the kingdom of God, that thing Jesus was preaching about, that world where everybody had enough, where we shared what we had, where beautiful things were happening. We get to see that in Argentina, when we get to feed people, when we get to care for people, when Alexandra gets to keep her leg, when Emma and Olivia graduate college, beautiful things happen and we move together towards the kingdom of God. At our church, this is how we define it. And I wanna give you six rhythms and two things you can do that would officially say, I'm a part of this church, and because I'm a part of this church, we're making the world a better place. At Ecclesia, we say we have six rhythms. We're gonna be a people that are real. I wanna invite you to be honest about who you are. You don't have to fake it for anybody. You may be messed up and your life may be messed up, but you need to know it's okay. God meets us in that place, that we wanna be a people that are kind. That in our kindness, we just say in the, our everyday interactions, don't be a jerk. <laughs> Nobody wants to be a jerk. Like, just allow yourself to be kind to the people around you. Thirdly, we said, we're gonna be a people that are hospitable. Whatever that takes for you, would you open your house and serve a meal with somebody? Would you buy somebody a meal? In Houston, you don't have, a, have to have a lot of money. I know places you can get a taco for a dollar, right? Take somebody, buy them a taco, be hospitable. And that together we're gonna have a course for our life that we say we're gonna seek beauty, we're gonna seek God. And lastly, we said we're gonna serve others. I wanna tell you what I think that looks like for us at Ecclesia. It means you find an opportunity to serve, maybe with our kids ministry, maybe with the homeless. Maybe you come up in the middle of the week and help our homeless brothers get a shower, maybe, you find an opportunity in your neighborhood for something that needs to be done and you work together on it. And then lastly, would you join us in doing that? Two things I'd like to ask you to do. There's a covenant table here in the room or you can email us at info at ecclesiahouston.org and just say, I wanna be a part of the community. And light a candle, sign a card and say, I'm not perfect, but I wanna be part of this church. And then lastly, would you give? It really doesn't matter to me what you give. It's the number of participants that we have. And so we have a goal by the end of the year to add 500 people that would give on a regular basis. It could be a dollar a month, but that something in your life is saying, I give on a regular basis to the work of Ecclesia. So when a thousand loaves of bread go out in the Ukraine, you're a part of it. When thousands of people are fed at the Venezuela border every month, you're a part of it. When Alexandra gets to keep her leg, you're a part of it. When Emma and Olivia get to graduate Texas Tech in a few months, they're gonna walk in their ceremony. You're a part of it. And on and on and on. If we began to tell the stories of what we do as a community, it, it would take film after film after film because we're that kind of church and you're that kind of people and that's the kind of life that we wanna live. Would you give me a moment to pray for you? And we're gonna celebrate what God is doing both in Buenos Aires and at home. God, we thank you 
that we get to be a part of your story. We thank you that our lives can matter, not just because we do things at our work and because we raise good kids or we take care of our home or we take care of the earth, but because we're a part of a church that's doing things we could never ever do on our own. Lord, lead us to give ourselves in service and participation and lead us. We pray more than 500 people that would in some way, shape or form give financially to be a part of the mission of what you've called us to. And we pray that like the miracles you performed on the Sea of Galilee, you'd multiply those efforts. We thank you, God. We trust you. And we pray this together in your name. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Ecclesia, I don't know if you realize, maybe if you've been around for a while or if you're new, like, what, what God's called us to and what we have is, it's really special. And people often ask me, like, how, how did we become the church that we are? And every now and then you get moments that you kind of remember. And this sermon this week is about that. Elaine Padilla was writing about the work in many ways of her father. And if, I don't know if you caught that, but her father, Renee, not only did I read uh, his books in college, I, I got to know him. And then he actually was willing to come preach at Ecclesia at the early days at Taft. And I'll never forget he was, he was preaching, and he, I mean, he's fiery, and he's brilliant, and he's fearless. And, and he looked at us, and he told the story of Zacchaeus, right? And if you grew up in church, you knew the story of Zacchaeus, right? He was a what? He was a wee little man, for sure. We knew that. And Jesus wanted to be with him, and we thought, well, he and Jesus connected, and it was great. But he explained the story, and he started teaching, and then all of a sudden what happens with Zacchaeus is he goes from being this greedy person who's going after money, 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 and he's trying to hold on to all of it, and he turns it loose, and he lets it go. And he pays back people that he's cheated, and he becomes this radically generous man. And then Jesus said about Zacchaeus in that moment, salvation has now come to this house that when he turned loose of all of that was when he was saved. And there was this moment at Ecclesia, we all looked at each other and like, part of us were like, that kind of hurts. Because we kind of want to hold on pretty tight. And something happened and it felt like something shifted in our church and like, we're gonna, we're gonna really open hand it here. We're just gonna, we're gonna choose to be those people. And I gotta tell you, I, I come back from trips like this and people are like, Surely you're jet lagged. I'm jet lagged, but I got to tell you, I'm energized because of what we get to do. We had an asado, which is just, it's heaven in Argentina. One of the pastors is a master asador. I should have put food, the photo of the meat up there, but I didn't. But he, at the asado, we had one couple that said they wanted to sit with me particularly. And through my broken Spanish and time to talk, I got to know them. This couple, the husband, uh, is from Ukraine, and his mom... Uh, had just come from Ukraine to live with them in Buenos Aires after the conflict there. His wife is from Venezuela. And they explained, they said, we drove a long ways to come sit with you today because we follow you. And she said, I'm Venezuelan and he's from Ukraine and we feel like the whole world has forgotten us and your church is this one church and you're doing work in Venezuela and in Ukraine. And she just said, like, we feel so seen by you. Like, we feel like you get us. And I had to tell, like, it's not me. It's this church, right? It's these people. Now, in a million years, I could never just meet Alexandra and go, like, 
we're going to save your leg. Like, we're going to figure it out. But because of who we are, I kind of know, like, we can do that. I, I can basically step forward and go, like, I'm pretty sure we don't want Pastor Marcelo paying 70% interest. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure we don't. So, like, let's, I got a couple people, and we're going to pull it together, and we're going we're gonna to do it, right? Because that's what we, that's what we do. Now, this is the truth, is that none of us could do any of that on our own, not only not financially, but the reality is like girls like Emma and Olivia, when they came to us in a place of chaos, literally like valedictorian in high school and not planning to go to college, right? When, when you're in that place, you don't present to the whole world, right? But to a pastor, you do. And you go, hey, this is where we are. And I could go, this church is not gonna stand by and let you work at McDonald's. Like, that's not okay. That's not what brilliant young people do. And because of that, right, these beautiful girls are interviewing for electrical engineering and, and jobs in geology over the next month. And what they're gonna do with their lives, I mean, now the rest of us can check out. They're gonna carry the burden, right? because it's a gift, because we get to pass it on. But I gotta tell you what's happened um, over the last couple of years, two and a half, three years, is that the needs of the world have gone like this. And the giving to help us do the work that we, has gone like this. That's the intersection we're looking at. And so I sincerely am saying, I don't, I don't really care if it is 50 cents a month that you're like, what I long for is that when I'm standing in those places in Argentina, when I go to Ukraine and I tell, and I, you know, in the video, somebody said in the, the, the last service, they're like, that's cool, like a thousand loaves of bread. That's, I'm talking about a thousand loaves of bread every day. Every day, Ecclesia has a baker that makes a thousand loaves of bread to feed people every day. And we send that check out, right? Hoping that eventually all of it balances out. All I want and my dream is that I stand in there and it represents all of us, that we all have some skin in the game. We just say, this is what it is. So whether it's 50 cents, whether it's $50, whether it's $5,000, that we just say, we're gonna do that. So we've tried to make it really easy for you. And I'd love for you to respond in those two ways. If you haven't connected and found a place to serve, and again, that doesn't just mean in our kids ministry or homeless ministry. It, for me, the best place I serve now in the building that I live in, which is really diverse, it's largely Asian and Latino. I started doing coffee and, um, and donuts, right? Literally flour, sugar, and water poured over old beans, right? And I just go down and you would think the people in my building, you would think I'd become the Pope. They just all wanna to talk to me. They all wanna pray with me. They, they all just know I'm this pastor. And, and we've had this sense of community that happened like that. Just literally coffee and donuts, that's it. And people that used to ignore me when I get on the elevator and go up, now go, hey, it, literally, I get a prayer request on the elevator almost every day now. Because everybody knows you're Pastor Chris and somehow you must love us because you gave us free coffee. I don't know what that looks like in your neighborhood, but I know you've got neighbors that feel isolated and alone. There are places to serve. All I'm asking you to do is say, will you put some skin in the game financially? And will you find your place to serve? We try to make it really easy today for those of you who want to go like, I'm in and just put up a QR code. So you can take your camera and you can just 
click it there, and literally there are four things to fill out. The sermon's great because nobody's doing it, so I clearly crushed it. Um, if, you, if you feel so led, it's as simple as find that link, and through that link, it'll give you four things to fill out. You can say, hey, this is a one-time gift. This is a gift that we'll give at whatever date, whatever time that you so desire. Many of you are doing this already, and it's part of what allows us to be the generous community that we're made to be. I, I don't know about you, but I want to spend my life living into and telling those stories. And I have a feeling that we're all going to get to heaven one day and you're going to run into some girl named Alexandra and she's going to go like, hey, thanks. Like, it made a difference for me. And, um, and I believe that the, the impact that we make as we get to drill water wells across the globe, as we get to do the things we're called to do, um, are the things that really make life worth living. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.